Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and phil entrepreneurs of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and I'm a transformational coach, breathwork teacher, and committed to a world that allows people from every walk of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Marcus Anderson. Marcus is a visionary who asks, why not? Why not make a difference in the world? Why not change the world? And why stop until we have? Marcus is a former American football safety in the National Football League. He holds a master's of education in adult learning and global change. And having had the opportunity to travel extensively throughout North and South America, as well as Europe and Africa, Marcus began to develop strategies to address some of the most critical social problems we currently face as a global community. Following his dream to do more, Marcus created the World Education Foundation in 2009, building bridges for peace through education. And we'll talk about that and much more today. So with these words, welcome, Marcus. Uh, thank you, Julian. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about education and building bridges for peace. I really like that, that subtitle. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, you know, it's really interesting, you know, when we talk about building bridges, you know, we're in a very interesting climate right now, you know, and I think it's about just that, you know, how do we actually educate ourselves? How do we actually push ourselves to the edges and really lay down to build those bridges, you know, that can connect conversations, that can connect ideas, um, that can connect new pathways forward. So, um, you know, that's kind of where that slogan came from. How do we build those bridges to peace, you know, from one end to the next? I love it. I feel like it resonates with my life's journey so far. I always felt like I'm a like ambassador and bridge builder everywhere I went to bring my own culture, learn about another culture and, you know, um, having lived on multiple continents, just like you. And so there's, there's lots of similarities. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear quite a bit about um, the World Education Foundation. And so maybe take us, take us back to 2009 when you started it and, and, and give us like a little tour of what happened in these like last 11 years. In, in bringing education as a, a bridge for global peace? Yeah, you know, um, really the World Education Foundation spawned quite serendipitously. Um, I pivoted from another uh, profession. I was actually a professional sports player in American football. Um, and then I wanted to do something different, you know, so I really put my foot in the ground and I traveled the world, you know, I felt like this was the first time that I had the freedom to just kind of journey and to uh, explore. Um, and I think that my real passion was to understand a lot of different things on how to create sustainable solutions and create new pathways for the future. You know, when I was young, it was always kind of this adage of like, you know, why do the positions in power not want, you know, equality? Why is there so much disconnect between us and the planet? And I really wanted to be inspired to creating a platform that could actually approach some of these uh, challenges, you know, and as I did that, you know, I needed an education and what better education to have than this kind of experiential learning of traveling and being in communities locally um, and globally to really understand um, how people connect, you know, how they actually solve challenges, but also what is that innovation to sustainability? What is that ancient wisdom that connects us all? So uh, ultimately, you know, while I was writing my master's um, from Lynn Shopping Universities in adult learning and global change, I traveled throughout South America for about seven months. And while I was in a shared cab with a Swiss OBGYN, we started talking about health initiatives. 
and she uh, ultimately put me into contact with a gentleman who's doing a food production program in the DR Congo. And I kind of asked him, you know, what the most pressing health issues that were there and malaria just was like straight to mind. Um, so I wanted to see how could we actually create some type of solution that would approach this challenge. So I took that information, I went back to my alma mater at UCLA and um, I gathered about two different uh, interns uh, from the School of Public Affairs and we came up with this program that helped rural farmers actually transport this bark called quinine into the main city of Bukavu to be processed into malaria tablets. Um, and from that moment, I was like, you know what, I need uh, education for myself, but also how do we transfer that knowledge that I'm building in the West and really put that to a context that's suitable and implementable in local communities around the world. So I wanted to, you know, really create the World Education Foundation as a bridge of this more intellectual knowledge and get into more of this ancient wisdom and how do you combine those things with technology in order to come up with some really um, life-saving um, and sustainable solutions. Wow, that's a great, uh, you know, some great pillars to, to build a foundation on. I like what you're saying about ancient wisdom, modern technology, and, and also like what I'm hearing between the lines is like integrating this almost like over-intellectual society we've built, right? Like into a um, where, where both intellectual knowledge can shine, but also like the heart coherence it kind of finds its way into how we equip youth, youngsters but also us adults i mean you know i feel like learning is, is not really limited to children it's it's a lifelong process sure. so yeah no you go know, ahead just, just just to kind of piggyback off of that you know i i totally agree with that and you know it, it's really not just to transfer a knowledge one way it's not unilateral you know when we as the west actually tap into that ancient wisdom we learn so much about ourselves and it's also an individual transformation that we go by being in these places where we're not only transferring knowledge but we're gaining knowledge you know and i think as we talk about cyclical systems and things that actually combine to um uh, to to be, be to form circles um, it is a give-take, it is a push-pull, it is this back and forth of knowledge that creates these innovations that create new pathways for the future. So yeah, kind of that cyclical knowledge that you just mentioned, I think is very, very important. Yeah, that's, that's beautifully put, Marcus. I feel, I feel like it's, it's an, a misconception that it's either one way or the other. It's either the ancient way or the very modern way or either the way of the power elites or the way of the people. And, you know, and the really, like, I mean, if we look at Taoism, for example, as a, as a metaphor, like the, the, the Wu Wei, the middle path, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear quite a bit more about like the impact that you've made. And I, I bet there's a bunch of stories that you could share. So those are always fun to listen to. What are some of the stories that happened in the last decade and like some of the, um, you know, on the ground activity that, that has been created through the World Education Foundation? Sure. You know, um, one of the things that we really like to do is kind of have this experiential learning. Um, and we have this model called EDGE that we really purport. And it's an acronym uh, where education, E stands for almost de-schooling. So how do we actually strip away all those things that we have been taught, those things that we think we know, those things that we have learned, and really trying to lay everything flat to move from a place of de-schooling and 
you know, really drawing that line of like, I know nothing. You know, I'm here to listen, I'm here to learn. And then that leads into this D where it's the devotion. You know, this is that ecological learning. How do I actually learn by getting back into nature, by understanding and listening to that symbiotic relationship that we have with nature? So what am I devoted to? Um, and then it's this G, it's this guidance. And then we mentioned it, it's almost this ancient wisdom that we um, really call upon to uh, inform us on what the right steps are. Um, and then the E stands for this emergence piece. So this is that experiential learning where we learn with the other. Um, so we tried to take this model and it was kind of curated over a, a few years with the World Education Foundation. And that landed me in some interesting places. One of them was Iraq. You know, I was in the Syrian refugee camp uh, back in 2016. And the whole idea was to um, understand how innovation happened there. So one of the projects that we did was we taught Syrian youth uh, that had moved into the northern part of, of Kurdistan. Um, and um, and um, and ultimately, um, you know, we helped them to understand needs assessments, how to actually do a needs assessment and go out into the village and ask specific questions uh, around a vertical. And then they brought that information back into the workshop and we taught them how to low level prototype that solution. And then ultimately, they pitched it to the rest of the community. And through that community, this ancient knowledge, this wisdom that has been embedded, you know, that is transferred from one land to the next, they got this cross-pollination of ideas on how to actually integrate that. They went back and iterated on those solutions and they actually moved those solutions into the community. Now this community, you know, had about 60,000 people in this refugee uh, situation, wow. but they had, you know, bike shops, they had fast food markets, they had um, just shopping markets. And then even when I was leaving the first time, they had a fine arts gallery that was being built, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, and, and then, you know, what was attached to that was this social cohesion piece where we took university students from Iraq and integrated them with these groups. And now it actually changed the perception of the other, you know, it's not all of our problems isn't because 240,000 people actually moved into our land. It's really about, wow, you know, they're innovative just like we are. Where are those points of connection? So that's just one example. You know, we've done different things in Myanmar. I've worked in the Western Sahara. I've worked in Haiti, you know, and I've through the Uyghur Foundation, I've been able to travel to about 79 different countries and work on about 21 of those, uh, prototyping wow. different solutions. Yeah. That, that is a lot of different countries. I, I've been, you know, tra traveling for the last decade and a half, and I don't, I don't know if it's quite 79. I mean, and, and leaving an impact everywhere you go is, is really, that's incredible, man. I mean, I love what you're saying there. I, I, the edge principle makes a lot of sense. This, these are topics we've, we've had before on the podcast around, you know, like, guiding into freedom and self-realization right and like what's in the emergent in the emergent kind of field of, of what's possible and i really really dig what you're saying about unlearning or you know unschooling almost because this seems to be the common um kind of default of, of man is that there is there is the state when you just know there is the state when we just figured it all out and it happened every hundred years or so forth science thought that uh, our, our um, political body thought that and, and really that makes it really hard to embrace change right and so um, embracing change every moment I think and embracing that kind of um, yeah field of possibilities really allows us to to stay curious which is like an innate quality in in, in all 
And this unlearning piece, you know, it's, I think the world is going through this so heavy right now. You know, I think we're in a time where we're all unlearning, you know, the systems, the history, um, the biases, the things that we've been taught. Like, I mean, things are being flattened, you know, because we are unlearning those systems that have really not been able to hold us up in a sustainable way. You know, whether it's inequality, you know, whether it's racism, whether it's capitalism, you know, all of these isms are starting yeah. to actually break down um, because they're not of natural uh, occurrences. So really that unlearning and getting back to nature and really just kind of short gapping um, that disconnect that we have with the planet and one another. I think we're starting to reframe our hearts and then our hearts are actually informing our minds on what is actually correct. Yeah, beautiful. Dropping into the heart, right, is like, I think throughout all the, the, the mystery traditions on the planet, that's always been the core step is um, building that coherence between heart and brain, arriving in the heart space and then from the heart space developing those kind of new tools and and yeah it's time of reconciliation of our planet across many topics i like how you kind of put the isms there together in the same basket because because that's what what's really obviously happening right it's, it's not even just seeming to happen it's like things that are not um, a foundation for a society that works for everyone are being shaken up right now this is june 2020 as we're recording this this episode and, mm-hmm. um you know this year already felt like a decade too to many people so much you know i mean and we're getting we're getting away from those old militaristic type of behaviors you know everything that you know that i believe the systems have been created to control you know whether it's to be able to control resources whether it's able to control people whether it's able to control monetary situations and what we have to understand as man is that we don't have any control yes can we give an effort but we can't stick everything in into these broad confines of silos that we've created because as soon as something like COVID happened, that breaks down because we can't control that. You know, as soon as something like, you know, race um, and, and, and capitalism are approached, you know, we, those systems can't hold that up. So if you're living in a world of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, then, you know, those systems that we try to structure in a militaristic way, they just can't hold them, you know, so they start to break down. Mm. How do you, as a, you know, as a leader in, in many regards, like face that level of discomfort and like support people in like navigating discomfort that's coming up right now, you know, if, if it's racism or if it's capitalism or just all these systems that you just pointed out at? Yeah, I think it's it's really about being a servant leader, you know, really listening to, for one, nature, because we're all connected to that. We all are birthed from that. That is our mother, you know. Um, and then, you know, ultimately being a servant leader, you know, what do the people want? What is the the sentiments of what's true and resonates with the human biological systems? And I think as a leader, you know, that is what I strive to be is really kind of just listen. And being a servant leader is not really about always being in front. It's really, you know, I kind of analogize it to murmurations of birds, you know, where sometimes you're the leader, but then sometimes you're the follower, you know, and sometimes you're the leader, but what you are doing, you're of this collective. And you're following that wing, you know, of the bird right next to you. You're not really worried about the total collective, but you're doing your best to just stay in alignment and in frequency with that bird right in front of you. And with that, if you get enough of that, you have this kind of flow that is so naturally 
gifted in the way that it looks, the way that it feels, and the efficiency of, of, of the process. I love memorations of birds. It's like <laughs> flock of, a flock of birds or like school of fish. It, there's something about this unified field that they have. It's like an integer energy structure. And as you say, it just, it just moves like playfully, right? It's, it's very it's very different than these like linear kind of ways in which, you know, the only place I think you could observe this in humans is like maybe the way our highway systems work or the way our, um, we, we, we cross a plaza to get to the metro station or something, but that's in the confinements of the box. And so mm -hmm. it doesn't actually look as beautiful or allow us to, to guide and lead each other. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, and even with that servant leadership, you have to listen, you know, it's not about just kind of integrating into these systems where we get on the train, you know, we go from point A to point B, but what am I listening for? Where am I called to be? What is my orientation here in the now? And I think as more we listen to that, we understand where our purpose is, which ultimately propels us into a leadership role at some time, at some point. Hmm. Yeah. Let me dig in a little deeper around education. I often ask the question of like, how would you either single-handedly or with a team of experts change the education paradigm? But you're already doing that. So <laughs> maybe let me ask you like in this, in this decade ahead, um, what else do you want to see happen or what else are you giving your focus and your, your energy to with World Education Foundation? So, you know, the World Education Foundation, you know, when a lot of people hear the word education, they think of numeracy and literacy and how do we actually have these skills that will get us a job, you know, that will actually propel us into getting a degree in something, some field. But the education that we're really talking about is this coherence. You know, what do we, how do we listen to what is necessarily need to be brought in? How do we educate ourselves in a way that is very sustainable, but also makes room for lifelong learning? Um, you know, our purpose is going to change, our skills are going to change, and even into the future, um, if you look at the future of work, or you look at the future of learning, it's, it's really about how do we tap into that collective knowledge and really work and find our purpose. You know, in ancient times, you know, the, the, the leaders of the village would actually send kids out to do tasks, different tasks all the time. And, you know, they would find their purpose in what they did best. Even if it wasn't what they wanted to do in that moment, what they did best in that moment is something that they actually were promoted to do. And through that, they found their orientation on how they could be of service to the community. And in that kinship, we start to understand that, wow, you know, as I get older and I mature and I become more wise, then ultimately that purpose may change. So I think we have this kind of linear in the West, at least we have this linear feeling that, oh, I have to find my one purpose. No, you might have a purpose now, but then, you know, two years from now, you might have a totally different purpose. So what we want to do at, at, at the World Education Foundation is really just, instead of skills, give people capabilities. How do you actually, are hone into what's capable you know how do you use your body your mind to uh, identify a challenge and then have the processes to come up with a, a solution and it's not even about i just identifying the challenges it's really about framing the problem framing the question and i think that is more important than actually solving the problem you know what is most important to solve right here and right now and that kind of ties into our personal transformation mm -hmm. but also this connection to the earth to understand where our orientation is. So uh, when we say education at World Education, it's, it's really mainly how do we build, build these um, empowerments and these capabilities in a real way.
yeah, the, the process of inquiry and the, the way of asking questions is really like, like a massive direction sign towards the quality of solutions we experience. That's profound. I like that you touched on purpose. That would have been my next question, but you already, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, we're on the same way. We're on the complete (laughs) wavelength here. That's really great. But you know, it, it, it seems to to happen a lot when we're around people that, um, as you said a few times now, learn to listen to nature and we call this biomimicry in our modern society, but really, I mean, it's the ancient way of living and it, for me, it, the beauty is, again, it, it's not either or, like nature or technology. Like they go together, but really nature is our primary teacher, right? Nature mm-hmm. shows us the ways and the, the cycles um, mm-hmm. quite playfully. Sure. If we look at technology, you know, it comes from the Greek word techna, you know, and all techna means is to, is to craft um, and it's an extension of the human. You know, we've had technology since we've, built fire you know and maybe even before then Um, if you look at ancient civilizations like the mayans and the incas they've been able to actually create agricultural um, capabilities that fed millions of people you know if you look at um, artificial intelligence they've been able to run predictive analysis in ways that we're just starting to understand Um, if you look at cosmology you know be able to line the pyramids with the belt of orion that's all technology so you know kind of looking at the extension of who we are and being able to combine that ancient wisdom with this modern technology sky's the limit we can actually create and alchemize and pull up on the elements of this planet but we have to be well informed because everything that we need is already here and if you look at the deepest technology that we know it's mother earth you know this is billions and billions of years of iteration back to the lichen and the you know the mycelium you know and all of these different types of 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 symbiotic relationships you know that we're getting back to so you know when we tap back into that that technology is already embedded in us, through us, but it can actually blossom into just these magnificent ways forward as we move ahead to create new pathways. So eloquently put, man. Yo, short intermission. This is your host, Julian, for a short announcement. Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast is currently entirely self-funded from my private coaching practice and work in the world, speaking at events and teaching breathwork, meditation, as well as facilitating leadership programs. If you're at a place in your life where you're ready to level up, step forward and be all in, then this might just be for you. Have you considered hiring a coach? Or is it time to find someone who deeply cares for the same evolutionary revolution on our planet? If that's the case, I'm your guy. As a transformational coach, I've worked with hundreds of people at events and in person via weekly calls over various months. I'm in service to switch on humans just like you who are on the cutting edge of some of the most progressive stuff on planet Earth. And if that's not quite you yet, but that's the dream inside of you, then even more reason to reach out. Well, whether you are a successful entrepreneur, a startup founder or an artist, I am here to support more people to deepen their planetary purpose. I've developed highly tailored coaching programs that are based on bringing out your gift into the world because I believe in a world in which we can empower and encourage all individuals to express their unique gifts. And all right, before we get back to the episode, make sure you visit my website greenplanet-blueplanet.com slash mentorships or simply find your way there by clicking work with Julian and book a free consultation with me. And if you listen to the end of the episode, I will give away a discount for listeners only. So here we go. 
We're returning to today's episode. Ask you a, a problem question, just, just yeah. to see what you're going to do out of it. <laughs> what do you make out of the big picture of trash that we're currently kind of, you know, have created and that we definitely have to address on the planet? Yeah. So when we talk about trash, you know, um, the first thing that comes to mind is circular economy, you know, and I think it, it also comes to mind is consumption. You know, what are we consuming as humans and what are we why are we bringing certain products and services into the world? And I think it goes back to that disconnect with the earth. You know, I think as man, and whether it be through religion or ideology or myths, we've created this gap between us and the earth, you know, that we are somehow separated from the earth, which gives us that green light to extract as much as possible, to take, you know, without actually replenishing. And I think we're starting to come to more of a global consciousness of what do we need? You know, I think COVID-19 has actually put this deeply seated into people's minds. It's like, you know, I don't have to work. I don't have to go to school. I don't have to do, you know, hoard on different things, which that actually happened with toilet paper, which was a totally different <laughs> topic. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of connects with the trash, right? It's like consume, 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 grab. I don't even know if I'll need it, but I'll better have it, right? Exactly. So being mindful from the designer side of why am I actually bringing this product into the world and what is its purpose? Is it, you know, just to extract people's pockets, you know, for, 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 for monetary gain? Or is it really creating the world as a stakeholder in those decisions of why we're actually bringing something into the world? And then I think if we start to approach those hard challenges of why are we bringing things in and why are we utilizing those things in our life, then we can start to look at the byproduct of that, which is trash, you know, and packaging and shipping and polluting and all of those things that aren't really aligned with those natural systems. So it's the symbiotic relationship that we have to get back to when we talk about earth. And I think that would eliminate a lot of the over excess of things that we actually discard um, on this planet. Yeah, I, I like that you went there. It's definitely the way forward. I think there's still a big cleanup process to do, in, specifically in regards to trash. But, but that's also maybe parallel to just a lot of the reconciliation and healing that we have mm -hmm. to do with the wounds of the past. And, you know, they're, they're emotional, they're, they're in lineages, they're in our DNA, mm -hmm. they're in the way we treat each other, but they're also in the traces we left on the planet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those traces are important, you know, um, and, you know, me and one of my really dear friends, uh, Jen Lemon, we talk about she's going to be the last woman on uh, Earth and I'm going to be the first one on Mars. And I'm really starting to kind of reconfigure that. And do I really want to be on Mars? Do I really want to like actually have to be in a spacesuit to experience life, you know, and um, there's so much work here on this planet that actually can be approached. Um, it's even asking myself, you know, what am I trying to throw away to gain something? You know, what am I separating from in order to not deal with and repurpose my energy into actually giving back to this planet? So I think it's this repurposing and really finding how do we utilize our, our energy and our time um, and what we consume in a, in a more sustainable way. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's very powerful. Thank you for going to these places right here, right now. I have another question, maybe more on a personal note, depending on what you do, do out of it, but it's around trust. So I believe trust is one of the core builders of bridges or connectors of 
cultures and wo different worlds, different ways of looking at things, different paradigms, but also simply interpersonal. And so my question, Marcus, is um, what is required for you to experience trust? Balance, harmony, um, those are the first words that actually come to mind. And I think trust is the most important part, you know, and I think we have to trust ourselves in order to trust others. You know, I, I, I truly believe that we are all reflections of the energies and the people and the things that we bring into our lives. And if we can wholly do the work, the hard work, not the bypassing, but the really hard work to understand and trust ourselves or actually to figure out who we are as people and what our desires are and where our faults, then we can start to trust ourselves. And then that permeates through our connections, you know, and then that'll almost give you this level of discernment um, where we can balance people's, other people's trust or other people's honesty. And it opens up doors for them and allows them to be vulnerable. Um, I think sometimes we, we create these calluses around who we are as people because we're going into those systems that you know, we feel that we have to integrate in. But ultimately, when we step back and we start to think what's important for us and we start to trust ourselves with, um, with our, our abilities and what our desires are and who we are as people, then that opens up the door for trust between people. Um, and I think trust is, is, is completely important. I think it's the number one thing to have anything sustainable in life. Um, and ultimately, we're just finding out that we can continue to trust ourselves in new ways uh, as we move forward. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a deep one. It's a very needed one right now. And uh, it, it might it might take us a long time still, but that's that's okay. I think it's worth it's worth the hard work, as you said. And just to, just to add yeah. just to add a little Please. bit on that just to add a little bit on that you know it's really about I think trust coincides with authenticity you know like we all have different ideas we all have different cultures but it, if you're authentic with that and you don't hold anything back like if you are a racist like tell me you're racist or, you know or maybe you know if you believe in certain ways don't conceal that you know because there's enough relationships that resonate with me that as long as I know where you're coming from or what you stand for, then that's fine with me. You know, now if it comes to a bodily harm of my own, then we, we have to kind of disconnect because it's not healthy for me. But I rather people, you know, give me their authenticity of who they are and what they stand for. And then we can start to negotiate on what's acceptable between us. Those are the kind of the micro transactions that we mm -hmm. make between uh, who we are that really resonate. Yeah. Yeah. That, that deeply resonates with me in the sense of, you know, another buzzword that I think is really worth exploring is integrity. And it's the simplest definition would be when you think you speak and you act in alignment, like when the, you're thinking you're speaking and your action are, are the same basically. And it's, it's really kind of not entirely the world we live in quite yet. Like it's, it's quite obvious that a lot of people say things that they don't think, and think think another agenda and then act on other and other behalfs right and so there's there's quite a, a bit of, of work of um i think again like the word that comes up for me is is reconciliation and healing because i kind of see them as similar notions and then also midwifing this new way forward like if you when you talked earlier about like the emergence and, and then unlearning like this is all part of midwifing into this new paradigm because we can't just expect ourselves or others to to like perfectly be there like being a human is is sometimes hard and 
And I, I guess that's part of the joy of being a human. Yeah. And we have to start learning how to hold space, you know, and hold space for ourselves and hold space for others and really recognize that people are at a different continuum on their, on their, on their journey, you know, that everything is not, um, you know, we're not all at the same point at the same time, you know, so holding that uh, integrity, holding that space for ourselves, holding that space for Mother Earth, as well as, you know, the communities in which we live in is so important. Um, yeah, and I love the fact that you brought up that in integrity because integrity is like that root word for integral, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, as we build that integrity, we become closer to each other, not farther apart, you know, and um, yeah, I think we're at a turning point in, in society and I think the global consciousness, I think we've all, you know, we can get into the blue and red Cochina and the Mayan calendar and all those things, but I think that time is starting to consolidate on itself in a real way to where we're getting into this cosmic connection. We're getting back in touch with the mother. You know, they did a study that child mortality actually skyrockets if the baby is not held by the mother, you know, and I think that's what we're experiencing is that we're coming back to the mother, that, that integral part of being held, um, of, of, of really deeply rooted, of understanding our place in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, we're getting back to that in a very real way, which is allowing for this renaissance of consciousness mm -hmm. to happen. Ah, oh, brother, that, that was really, really well put. On another note, just to switch it up a little bit here at the end of the episode, you've traveled so much, right? I want to hear from you. Um, maybe just pick three places. I know like, picking <laughs> favorites is really hard and it's, it's maybe it's places that like most resonate in your heart space or places that were really special and not a lot of people know about them. If you were to, to share about three places in the world, which ones would they be? Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, some of the deepest places and I, and I look at it as kind of a holistic thing, you know, where did I feel most at home? Um, and the first place I'd have to say is the DR Congo. Um, it's so rich there. You know, I remember one time that I was actually going up to the Fizi Mountains and it had rained the night before. So we're on our bikes, motorbikes, because you can't take kind of land cruisers or any type of trucks or four, even four wheel up there. You have to be on your, on your bike, uh, on a motorbike. And it had rained before the night before. And all you see is like kind of gold and rubies and things just like topically on the soil. And then it's almost like, you know, we were doing some farming projects there and then you had cabbages that were like this big, <laughs> you know, they were just massive, you know, and the clay was just so rich and it like matched the skin of the people. Um, and I just felt at home, you know, I, I took a deep breath and I was just like, this resonates with me. This place just actually is there and I, I feel at home. You know, so that's one place. And then Myanmar was another place, you know, just mm. kind of getting into where you see this ancient construction of temples and, um, and, and godas and, and, um, and, um, and, 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 and resonance of prayer and, and reverence and uh, connection that um, it was just really fascinating to see how the people were just so open. They were authentic in the way that they were and they didn't see me as a tourist. They saw me as someone that was a human. And that was like that place where I felt like really just like seen, you know? And I would have to say, you know, the third one, um, 
was this small town um, outside of Peru called Ica, um, about four hours south of, of Peru um, in, uh, I mean, sorry, four hours south of Lima in this place called Ica. And uh, you have this oasis that sits there, you know, and then around it is just these sand dunes. And to see how like something could survive around such harsh elements or what we think is harsh was just really fascinating to see like this oasis of being of, in this spot of um, of creation that has been preserved by this earth, almost nestled in and hugged, you know, by the 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 planet. Um, I just thought that was really fascinating, and there's just so many places like that. But those are kind of the three that come straight to mind for different reasons that are like very personal and how I felt in in that moment. Yeah. Beautiful, a little yeah. tour of planet Earth through the, <laughs> through the eyes of Marcus. That um, that's that's always it's always a delight. I feel to listen to listen to, you know, where earth or the people or the culture has, has touched our hearts. And so that brings me to my last question. And that is like, um, you know, your earth vision or your dream for, for the earth and our species. And I asked this question specifically, like zooming out into a seven generational context. So what kind of ancestors are we going to be for future generations? And, and, and what's the dream that's within you? Yeah. You know, I truly hope that we're just good stewards. You know, we're good stewards of the planet. We're good stewards of one another. We're good stewards of the knowledge that is being brought into this world. And I, and I really pray that we mend that severance that we have. You know, um, one of the projects that I'm working on next is really this regenerative communities. And how do we kind of draw that string from personal transformation where we almost have these nodes of communities that are placed geographically graphically in different places around the world and we're devoted to the planet and through that devotion we ultimately open our hearts to personal transformation and then we draw that red line to communal transformation and through that communal transformation we can actually start to share these um, best practices or revelations um, that are very impactful in our community and then draw that red line to this global kind of transformation so it's almost like these small nodes um, of really highly intentional beings that are working hard and almost connecting in these distributed networks where we are that murmuration of birds, that we are kind of just flowing in sync, you know, with Mother Earth and we're learning and we're filling the gap and we're in, um, in servitude of Mother, uh, of Mother Earth um, and to each other. And I think that kind of formula can stand the test of time because it's symbiotic. You know, it's, it's, it's in the flow um, of where we need to be and where we are called to. So hopefully seven generations down the line, we're able to be in that same spot. Beautiful. I'm grateful you shared that, that very vivid image with, with us right here, right now. Thank you mm -hmm. so much for your time. Thank you for taking um, the time out of your day and, and, you know, giving us an insight into your, your heart and your mind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm very grateful for this interview, Marcus. Likewise, and thank you for having me, Yuna. Thanks for listening, and here we are again. This is your host, Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships, and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. 
Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three-month program, and this discount applies for all one-on-one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click Work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one in small coaching groups on, online or in-person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well And on request, I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show, or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website, that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com slash mentorships, and mention the end of episode discount, and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now. It's 808. That's right, that's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend. Mm -hmm.